right. If you have your Bibles this morning, and I trust that you do, will you turn with me to the book of Jeremiah? Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9. If you kind of split your Bible in half, you should come to the book of Psalms and then turn right. Jeremiah chapter 9. Isaiah then Jeremiah. All right. Jeremiah chapter 9. And if you know anything at all about the book of Jeremiah and who Jeremiah was, he's called the weeping prophet because of the tears that he had for the daughters of Jerusalem. You know, when they were deported, when they were taken, when they went into captivity, they went in two different measures there. They came back in three, but they were taken out, some by the Assyrians and some later by the Chaldeans. And... Uh, but Jeremiah stayed in the land of Jerusalem. Ezekiel, when you read the book of Ezekiel, he's over in Babylonia with them. So God always had a prophet for them, those that stayed in the land and those that were deported out of the land. You know, the Lord loves his children, amen, and, uh, and cares for them. And so, and so Jeremiah here is writing, and, uh, and so here's what he says to them. It's a warning to those because a certain amount of them stayed in the land. And notice what he said. Verse 23, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. I want to speak to you this morning about what is patriotism. What is patriotism? Does it have its roots in the Bible? What is patriotism? And uh, what it should mean to us? And how do we maintain it? All right? Notice what it says. Chapter 9, verse 23. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. And boy, isn't there a lot of bragging about the armies of nations today, what we can do and what we can't do and how we can defeat all our enemies and so forth. I'll tell you, I get worrisome about those things uh, for some reasons that are founded here. And I may, I may say a little more about that in a minute. But notice what he said. Let the mighty man, uh, let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. You know, there's a lot of things that money cannot fix. Cannot fix. Can't stop you in the day of death when that's going to come. Money is not going to postpone that day. Look at verse 24. But let him that glorieth glory in this. The Lord's given us the important thing here, that he understandeth and knoweth me. That's the greatest knowledge that you can have. I believe on the planet, the Bible says, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But to know God... And to know him as Savior, he said, because what? I am the Lord which exercised loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And I want to speak to you this morning about what is patriotism. And the Lord says here, you want to glory in something, glory in the fact that you understand and know me. Because all these other things are temporary. Amen? Are they not? Even nations can be temporary. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the precious word of God. which will speak to every heart this morning. May we be edified and encouraged. And uh, yea, Lord, even inspired in the times in which we live. Though they be perilous, Father, help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. What is patriotism? You know, it means a lot of different things to different people. And, uh, and, and you know, some here in our country... Uh, some people who uh, are not fond of America, they have given, they've given their opinion about what patriotism is. 
They say uh, patriotism is the last, one of them, Samuel Johnson, said that patriotism is the last refuge of scoundrels, of scoundrels. And, uh, and he had his problems with America and so forth. Oscar Wilde said that patriotism is the virtue of the vicious. The virtue of the vicious. You know, the times in which we live, there are people that are looking for a certain utopia. They're looking for a certain perfection and so forth. And there have been, there's nothing new under the sun, Solomon said. And people have been looking for some of those things for a long, long time. And so what we have today, you know, Solomon again said, whatever has been is going to be repeated again. And there have always been, there have always been people, if you will, who march to the beat of a different drum or what they think to be a drum. But, uh, but John Kennedy said this. He said, patriotism is more than flag-waving, more than chest-beating, and more than making speeches. It is the preservation of our nation's values that made America noble and great. You know, and, and even as he said, it's more than speeches. Well, how do those things, how do those things, how, how are those things then manifested. I mean, that sounds really good on paper, and I don't disagree with, with that former president. I don't disagree with that. It's more than flag-waving, more than chest-beating, and more than speeches, but it is the preservation of our nation's values. How do we do that? What can we do as a people today in these perilous times to have that kind of impact? And it might only just be our little circle. It might just be our family and friends. It might just be our, our, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, or maybe even great-greats if you're fortunate enough to live that long. That we could have an impact in their life, that we could do something to help stem the tide. Uh, because I do believe that you can be a good Christian and be a good citizen. I don't think that those things are mutually exclusive. I think that God intended for us, as the Scripture says, to obey every ordinance of man for whose sake? For the Lord's sake. And, uh, and so there are some things that we can do to preserve what has been there for us to enjoy that we can preserve for the next generation. So one of those things is to remember our past. One of the very first things is to remember our past, beloved, as a nation. In Psalm 78, David wrote and talked about those children there that, uh, that were to come along and that their fathers were to teach their children about what happened in the years gone by and the days gone by, and they were to hand them down. Why? That they might, that these children might again then teach their children, and they in turn teach their children. Why? That there might be a godly heritage in the land, and they wouldn't be removed off the land. So we have a responsibility. Do you remember there are several places in the Old Testament where, where there would be a memorial would be set up? You know that one of them is named Ed. Did you know that? And it's at the end of the book of Joshua, and what that word ed means back there in the Hebrew, it meant that, 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 that they were going to be a witness that God is the Lord, that ed was to be a witness. And it's just two words, ed, was to be a witness. And, and, and so that what were they doing? God had Joshua put those stones up. Some were in the midst of the Jordan River, then some came on the outside, and there were some others in other places. They put memorials up there. And the Lord said, when, when, when your children come up and your children see these things, and they ask you, what meaneth these things? He was wanting them to remember their heritage. And beloved, if we're, if we're going to preserve the future, we have to remember some things out of the past. And we can't let the revisionists retell our story. 
That's like someone writing your biography for you, and then they, they create their own identity for you by what they write. We can't let them do that about our nation. We should not let them do that. And when we read things like that or, or someone talks to us about that, we need to take a stand cheerfully, gracefully, gently, but to be able to proclaim the truths about our land and not let the revisionists, not let the revisionists change the story of who we are. That's happened in so many places. You know, the former presidents and others going to other lands and apologizing and so forth. Man, that bothered me so badly. Gosh, uh, the history that we have. You know, Calvin Coolidge, one of our presidents, said, the nation that forgets its defenders will itself be forgotten. America, I, you know, the America that I want to be a part of is not trying to make a name for itself, but rather make a name for our Lord, which is the part of the purpose, I believe, why it was established here. God, even, even Christopher Columbus said that he felt like the Holy Spirit was guiding him in his journey to come here. I mean, he really did live in the days of flat earth people. I mean, you know, we got them out there today. People that actually go, good night. How far has man fallen from the garden? A long way. You know, there was that commercial, I fall and I can't get up. That's exactly where man is. Amen. It's where they are. And, uh, and the flat earthers and so forth. I saw a meme, I think it was on Facebook. It showed the solar system, you know, all the planets. And it had Jupiter and it had Pluto. And, and then when it got to Earth, it, it showed it like, like, a, like a square. It was flat. And they said, you know, that just doesn't look right, you know. And, uh, but anyway, I mean, how ridiculous. George Orwell wrote, and I, I quoted this already, who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. And the reason for that in his book, 1984, was because they were trying to rewrite the truth about the history. They were trying to erase the history of the country and replace it with something new, something skewed, something bizarre that they had written. And then, you know, and if you tell a lie long enough, frequently enough, that people begin to believe it. And even those that tell the lie begin to believe their own lie. <coughs> Who should we remember? I think we ought to remember the pilgrims. I didn't say the prudes. I said the pilgrims. Yes, they had their ways, but why did they come here? They came here to flee from religious tyranny. It's part of the reason why when the founders put the thing together about the, quote, the establishment clause, that was never intended to keep the church out of government. It was intended to keep the government out of the church. That's what the real separation clause is about. It just said, because where did they come from? They came from a state-run, uh, they came from a state-run religion. That's what the Anglican Church was, and that was a compromise put in place by Queen Elizabeth I to satisfy her Catholic friends along with her, with her other Protestant friends. And so they merged something together, and they called it the Anglican Church. She was trying to make peace in the Commonwealth. Mary, Queen of Scots, was going to be locked up, later executed by her cousin, Elizabeth and uh, and so she was trying to do this so the pilgrims they left that kind of tyranny that they could feel free to worship the Lord according to the word of God man thank God for their courage I mean you know the, the, the Bradford company William Bradford you ought to read about that journey get you a book and pick it up and read about what happened on board those ships and the, and the agreement they made and the compact they made together that when they got here and what they were going to do you know that? Do you know that? Uh, 
Do you know, do you know when you think about the word, how many of y'all have heard of, the, of Newark, New Jersey? Newark, New Jersey. Do you know that wasn't the original name of the town? You know what the original name of the town was? Anybody know what the original name? The New Ark of the Covenant. That was the original name, New Ark of the Covenant. But it was trimmed and made into Newark. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are like that. And, uh, and so Newark, New Jersey had that name. So the pilgrims came, came here. You know that, do you know what Rhode Island used to be called? It was the Little Baptist State. The Little Baptist State. You know what Princeton and Yale and Harvard were originally? They weren't the schools of modernism that they are today and paganism and perversion. Those were all divinity schools designed to train young men for the ministry. Why? Because they knew that the people in the lands here, they needed the gospel. Amen. We need to remember our past. I'm not trying to live in the past. I'm not a reactionary. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Now, I know, I listen, now listen, I'm not making any, I'm not making excuses. I know that America and equality was not the same for all peoples, but we've come a long way since then. I'm not trying to live in that past. I talked with a young man I, once when I, when I was teaching in paramedics, and uh, this young man, a, 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 an African-American, a black, a black boy, young man, and, uh, and he was in the class, and I was teaching there, and I said, you know, somebody said something about being, being old, which is true. At, at, at the time, I was old back then. And, uh, and I said, yeah. I said, man, I really liked it in the 50s. Well, you know, I, mean, I, I took him after class, and I said, listen, I know the 50s weren't great for, uh, for maybe some folks in your family or whatever. And I said, I'm not trying to live in that kind of the 1950s. And he said, oh, he said, oh brother, Ed, don't worry about that. He said, the Marine Corps took all that out of me. <laughs> And I said, amen, good on you, son. Didn't have a chip on his shoulder. What a blessing. What a blessing that there are young men like that still willing to serve the country. It gives me hope, amen, ought to give you hope, ought to give you hope. But we need to remember the pilgrims. We ought to remember the patriots. They fought to be free from the tyranny of kings. We ought to, and we ought to remember everyone who participated in that. In, you know, whether it be our nation's wars to keep us free from the tyranny of ideologues, from socialism, from Marxism, and so forth. They had a cause. They really did believe that they were endowed with certain unalienable rights. In other words, they knew that their creator had given them, had bestowed them with certain rights. What were they? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that they were given to them. And we need to remember these things. Do you know that we also remember their commitment? Do you know that their action, those men that signed the Declaration of Independence and many others like them, they were all guilty of treason. Yes. Did you know that? What, do, you know what, do you know why John Hancock's name is so big at the bottom? Do you know why it's there? He said he wanted the king to be able to read it. He'd heard that his eyes weren't very good, and he didn't want there to be any mistake. John Hancock wanted him to know, I want, these, I, want, I want King George to know who signed this, that I signed it. But their commitment. Do you know that most of them died penniless? The signers? Signing the declaration proved to be very costly. Five signers were captured by the British and brutally tortured as traitors. Nine fought in the Revolutionary War and died from the wounds or hardships. Most died penniless, but they had great courage. Jefferson said this. He said, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. 
the tree of liberty. And I, you know, I wonder if, if reading this in some places, man, you might be considered a domestic terrorist. You just might be. If you had a sign like that, you say, are you promoting violence? That's what they would say today. It's a shame. I, I remember Debbie and I, we had a chance. We took our kids, your mother. We took her to, uh, to the Freedom Hall there in Philadelphia. Anybody else been there besides me, Freedom Hall in Philadelphia? We went in there and uh, looked around, and they had, of course, they have a they have a banister here. You couldn't get over there where all the desks were. And, you know, I didn't matter if they had those desks that had to be remade over the 100 years or 200 years. That didn't bother me. But, you know, I asked, I, and I forget exactly what I asked, of the tour guide, and he said, well, there's certain things that we can't say anymore in here. And I said, isn't that a shame? I said, because men stood over there and said things that they thought were, that were considered illegal by the king, but they said them anyway because they needed to be said. And the guy wearing the Smokey the Bear hat said, yes, sir. He said, we, we, we're not that way anymore. That's a shame. It's a shame. It ought not to be. We need to remember our past. Remember our past. You know, and, and, and in doing so, you know, that, that means we've got to teach our kids about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And be honest about it. It is what it is. You've got to be told about it. We need to remember our past. Number two, let me hurry. We've got to reaffirm our principles. Look at Proverbs 22 as we turn left. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Look at verse 28 with me, please. We not only have to remember our past, but we need to reaffirm our principles. There's nothing wrong with being a people of principles in that, in that those principles help to guide our lives. Look in Proverbs 22, look in verse 28 with me. It says, notice what it says, remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. I mean, it's not wrong. Winston Churchill said, a love for tradition has never weakened a nation. Indeed, it has strengthened nations in their hour of peril. Man, how about that? It's a shame we don't have men like that in the halls of, of our Congress and legislatures like that today. You know, it's funny. They wanted a Winston Churchill when, when Hitler was you know, was flapping his wings and exercising all that stuff and his, his uh, tyranny and so forth. They wanted a Winston Churchill to get them out, but they didn't want it in times of peace. It's a shame. It's a shame we don't have men like that that are walking the halls of our nation. Uh, you know, and I, I, you know, even Margaret Thatcher, and I, you know, Margaret Thatcher, what did somebody say? Mar somebody said of Margaret Thatcher, it was the greatest man that England ever produced. <laughs> She was tough. I don't care what, what the movies have done to her and all that kind of stuff. Listen, you know, if you don't like the message, what do you do? You discredit the messenger. And people remember some fiction or Hollywood license and liberty over what the truth was about Margaret Thatcher. I just know this, that she and Ronald Reagan got along quite well. Even she and Ian Paisley. You want to hear some old preaching, go listen to Ian Paisley. Ian Paisley was, a, was from Northern Ireland. And he was a PM, he was a, one of the members of parliament, but he was also a preacher, Presbyterian preacher. Listen to Ian Paisley sometimes, there are some recordings of him. Oh man, he'll tell you, it's, they were in the pits of hell. I mean, he's got that whole, that whole Irish brogue to him, but it's good stuff, good stuff. Reaffirming our principles, reaffirming our principles. Sometimes we have to take that time to re-examine the nation's history 
and what is and when of appropriate age take your children to visit some of these historical sites man texas has got all kinds of them and i know sometimes you know sometimes you know over here to be a and I'm not trying to disparage anyone, but sometimes, you know, sometimes in, in, in here in Texas and other states out west, there were times when the marshals at one time, they, were on the, they weren't wearing a badge, they were on the other side of the law. And then, uh, you know, when, I, when we visited down in Bandera, I looked at all those sheriffs that were there, and I looked at them and I said, man, those guys look pretty seedy. <laughs> you know, like, like they could have just as easily been, have been criminals, and they probably were at one time or another. I'm not making excuses and I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying that we need to revisit some of these things. Revisit, go visit some of the historical things. If you have a chance to go to, to, go to Washington, D.C. and see some of these things and take your families there, your grandchildren there, take them on a senior trip, do something, invest your money in something that matters. Amen, Brother Ed. Invest it in something that matters. Why? It might spark something in one of these young people or in your grandchild or your niece or nephew to make a difference. How many people have been inspired by some things that they saw and they heard just in that moment and they went on to serve their country? You know, you know there was a, a, a little boy born in Gettysburg during, during the Battle of Gettysburg and uh, the city of the town of Gettysburg went back and forth several times during during uh, during the Civil War there in Gettysburg, and there was a there was a Confederate sniper who was on a second story somewhere, and he saw a little glint, a little flash of light, a little reflection, and he thought it was a, like either the lens of something. He thought it was somebody, like off a belt buckle or a rifle, and he sights down through there to where that little flash of light was, and he fires a round, and that round came through the through this open windows of a second story home. And, uh, and what it turned out to be, it was, a, it was a little reflection, a little brief reflection off of a pan of water that a midwife was carrying because the woman in the bed laying in front of her was about to deliver. And she happened to go past that window with that pan of water. That sniper saw that little reflection, fired off a round, and that round landed right, uh, right beneath that woman that was giving birth and hit that mattress and went through that bed. And two seconds later, that little baby boy was born in that bed in Gettysburg. And that little boy grew up to be a U.S. senator. I don't think things like that just happen by accident. I don't know his name, but I know he went on to serve. Either in the state legislature or it was a, in the U.S. legislature. But I'm sure that could be found out, but that's what happened. Take your kids, your grandkids, take them around here. Show them the things of Texas. Show them the heritage that you have. Don't let these things be forgotten. And it shouldn't just be on a plaque. It ought to be somewhere down in here. Amen. It ought to be. I mean, man, you know, Amen. gosh, I spent almost eight and a half years in the, in, in the military to keep some of the people that are here out. And I'm not talking about people that come across the border. I'm talking about someone that, it, I think you can be right with God and be a good patriot at the same time. Amen. Even Jonah, he was a mixed up missionary. Yes, he was, but he was a patriot. He didn't want to see God use Nineveh to punish Israel. Because he loved his people and he loved his country. Do you love your country? Man, I do. When I'm someplace, and I, it didn't happen here, but... 
lot of times when I'm someplace and I, I see the national anthem, I, I get a lump in my throat. It, I'm not ashamed of that. I get a lump in my throat. I, man, I stand up when that thing is played. I stand up, put my hand over my heart. I take my hat off at a ball game when they do it. I, I, put your stinking beer down and put your hand over your heart and sing. We need to reaffirm our principles. Teach your children the good, the bad, and the ugly. Don't let them, don't let them rewrite our history. Because what they're doing, they're not just rewriting, they're trying to indoctrinate mm -hmm. our children. They're trying to and what what did they do? What did I read this week? I read the LGBTQ crowd. What did they say? We're coming after your children. That was what they were chanting. Yeah. They've been doing that for a long, long time, beloved. They're coming after our children. It's wicked. God, God deliver us from that untoward yes. generation. Please, Lord. There's a man, Alexa de Tocqueville said this, the greatness of America lies not in being more enlightened than any other nation, but rather in her ability to repair her faults. This man was a, was a he was a Frenchman who was alive during the times like when the when the Statue of Liberty came and so forth that came from France and when he was seeing how America they could right their wrongs and do right and move forward. We need to still have that same optimism today that Americans can right our wrongs. But you know, didn't, didn't the book of James says that one sinner can do much damage? You know, it's amazing just in, in a four-year period or sometimes in a two-year period, you know. Senators serve for six years, representatives serve for two years at a time. It's amazing how much damage somebody that, that hates God and doesn't love God and not interested in doing right, how much damage it can do to a nation in just a short time. Listen, our republic is a fragile, fragile thing. It's like a suspension bridge. We, You know, in over in Houston, there in Humble, they got an old bridge, brother, off of 59. They decided to leave it up, I guess, I guess they wanted people when they're waiting in line or bumper to bumper, they look over there and say, how in the world did we ever travel on that? I don't know, but to make them grateful for what they're on now. But it was one of those things where every piece of metal is attached to the other one. And you know, each piece, what does it do? It lends support to the whole bridge. You take any of those things out and pretty soon the capability to bear up under the load is reduced. That's kind of like the fragility of our country, our republic. We've got to be in our place to hold our place and do what we can for the next generation. Let's, let's revisit, let's, let's, let's remember our past and let's reaffirm our principles. Let's don't remove the ancient landmarks, no matter how hard they try. And even in the light of it, we've got to do it, beloved. I think we've got to do it with a good spirit and attitude. And that's what Paul prayed about. Pray, pray, you know, pray about my adversaries pray about my service that I have. And he said, then pray about my attitude that I may do it with joy. I don't want to be a bitter old man. I don't want to be a grumpy old Baptist. I don't want to be that way. I want to serve the Lord with gladness. Remember our past. Reaffirm our principles. And then number three, let's rely upon our promises. Rely. Upon the promises of God. Look at Psalm 30. Look at Psalm 33 with me. Turn left one more place. Last place. I'll have you turn. Psalm 33. I'm almost done. Psalm 33. And look in verse 12 with me. 
It's what's in your bulletin, Psalm 33. Look in verse 12. Notice what it says. It says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. And blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. As Christians, do you know that we hold dual citizenship? We do. You got your passport? Amen. You got to have your BA. That's born again. That's not a Bachelor of Arts. You need that BA. I, re I remember, man, when I got first got saved, we were listening to the radio at night, and, man, we, we hear Unshackled on there. I'd never heard that before, and it was exciting. I told Debbie when I said, well, the first time when I figured out, I told she was back in the bedroom, and I said, I said, honey, people are getting saved on the radio. Come out here. you got to hear this, you know. You know, you don't know what you don't know. I, I was just a lost man. I'd been saved probably about a week, and uh, I, I was enjoying it. We were feeding off of that. And after that would come the Moe singing convention, the Chuck Wagon gang. And we heard Mrs. Moe and Mr. Moe, and they'll sing, I'll meet you in the rapture, and all those things. And then they would have flight final. Flight final was talking about people dying, going to heaven, said, you got to have your ticket stamp. Mammy, look at it. You got to have, is your ticket, is it blood washed, your ticket? Man, it was exciting. New Christians, it was exciting, exciting. But we've got to rely upon the promises of God. We have dual citizenship. Paul said that our, that's where our conversation comes from, yet we are citizens here. We should be loyal to our native home, but also recognize that we're a part of the kingdom of God. And times, if we at times feel uncomfortable, it's because we're not really home yet. We're not really home yet. The Bible tells us how to be good Christians as well as Christ-honoring citizens. Number one, we need, to re we, we, we need to do our best to respect and pray for those in authority. Listen, I didn't like every person that wore the rank that was over me when I was in the military, but I saluted them because of the office that they held. You know, and I'll say here, I, you know, I may have some critics out there, and it's all right, but if President Biden came in, I would stand to my feet. I, I, I would. I mean... Do we, support the, do we support the kind of government that our Constitution has told us to have? Yeah. Uh, I would, out of respect for the office. I'd like to sit down with him and show him a Bible, amen? <laughs> show him how to be saved. I really would. I really would. I don't hate the man. He's got a soul for which Christ died. He needs the Lord. Oh, wouldn't that be something if he came, if he went to work tomorrow, got saved today, went to work tomorrow, behold, all things are new? Good. Not that would mess up CNN, wouldn't it? I'd love to see that. I'd love to see him get saved. But we need to respect and pray for those in authority. You ought to know the name of your representative, Chip Roy, right here, or Senator Corn and Senator Cruz, and even maybe some others, you know, that you don't know or don't represent you, certainly for our government. Respect them. Recognize its laws, beloved. We are a people, a land of laws. We need to do our best to obey our laws. We need to render its tribute. That's what Romans 13 says. It talks about, that's the reason why we pay taxes. You know, we're supposed to pay for the government. Did you know that? We're just not supposed to pay for a lot of foolish spending. You know, and people say, well, I don't, I'm not going to pay my tax. Well, well, aren't you glad there's an Air Force? Uh, don't, aren't you glad there's an army in case we got attacked? Well, I want I want all those benefits. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't want I don't want to pay any sales. I said, you know I don't want to pay all that stuff. Well, 
Well, good night. Well, what if your house catches on fire? You and your neighbor going to put it out? You can't hardly get any water pressure around here. How are you going to put out your house fire? We need a fire department. That requires revenue. That's part of our taxes. See what I'm saying? We, we don't like it, but I, I think fire and EMS and I think law enforcement, they ought to have the best that there is out there. Amen. Amen. They ought to have the tools. They ought to have the safety thing. You know, listen, I'm not for abusive things, but and they represent a fraction of what is out there that dedicate their lives every day. And we need to resist the corruption. Resist the corruption. Be salt and light. That means you that means you might be a little aggravating. Light, you ever heard that? Shut that light off. Might be a little aggravating. Maybe Oh, oh, that stings. That's what salt does sometimes when it gets in a wound. When it's stinging, what's it doing? It's purifying, right? Be that salt and light. Where you live, where you play. It's not political power that we need. It's the power of God that we need. Yes, amen. If America's going to change, it's going to take the power of God. There's a, there's a quote that says this. Jesus was speaking, and I'll be done. He said, And then render therefore unto Caesars the things which be Caesars. And unto God the things which be God's. And so we must have that balance in our life. Let's remember our past, reaffirm our principles, and rely upon the promises of God. He said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I'm counting on that. I, we have to in the light of what we have today. Where would we be without it? Amen. Ronald Reagan said, if we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we'd be a nation gone under. Amen. We must never forget that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for our nation. Lord, it's not what it could be or should be. But Lord, we thank you for the grace that you gave, Lord, for it to be established and to endure these many years. Lord, we believe with all our hearts, Father, we cannot afford to turn our backs upon you. I do pray for the leadership of our country, Lord, that there would be an awakening there in those halls, supposedly of justice and, and judgment. God, I pray that your will would be done. I pray, Father, for our church, our city, our community here, Father, that we might be that lighthouse, Lord, that you'd have us to be salt and light. You said it's not hid. A candle's not hid under a bushel, but it's put out there to light the whole city. Help us, Father, to do our parts individually to be salt and light in this great land. We love our country. We love Texas, Lord. I love being in Kerrville. And Father, help us, help us to be part of the solution and not part of the problems. We love you and we need you today. We pray, Father, that uh, you'll bless the remainder of our fellowship now. In Jesus' name, amen.